Good morning, good morning. Hey, we're a little bit subdued this morning, eh? It's a little bit cold, eh? Good morning. Are you guys sick? Hey, like a little two in the corner there. <laughs> it's really good to be together. I um, want to hear a cool story, a testimony. So you remember Brent Brading with us, was with us two weekends ago, and uh, he was doing apostolic input. And um, one of the things he spoke about, I think it was on the Sunday morning, he spoke about, it says, you know, where, Jez, where Jesus met Lazarus. Lazarus climbed into the sycamore tree because he was short and he wanted to see Jesus. And the Bible says, when Jesus came to the spot, he looked up and there he saw Lazarus. And then he said, hey, Lazarus, I must meet at your house today. And anyway, he goes to Lazarus' house and Lazarus gets saved. No, not, oh, sorry, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, not Zacchaeus, not Lazarus, Zacchaeus. Yes, Zacchaeus was raised from the dead, and Zacchaeus was um, Lazarus. Lazarus was raised from the dead, Zacchaeus was in the tree, sorry. Okay, I didn't plan to say this, that part of it. Anyway, and he said this, he said, interesting that the Bible says when he came to the spot, and this was his point, all of us go through life, and there are moments or spots where God wants us to minister to someone or wants us to say something or to share something with someone. And we can often miss the spot or miss the moment. Ever had that? Ever, ever felt God prompt you to do something? Ever felt God prompt you to say something to someone or to minister to someone or share something? And in that moment, there's a crisis that you face. What are you going to do with the spot? Are you going to Go with what the Lord is saying, or you're not going to go with the Lord saying. So anyway, Tuesday, not this last week, Tuesday, but the week before, it was just after the preach, and Mara and I went to CrossFit, and um, while we were doing our class on the 8.30 class, I could check there were like guys scurrying around the CrossFit box, and they were looking for stuff. So while I'm doing CrossFit, I said, hey guys, what are you looking for? I said, no, this chap, he lost his keys in the 7.30 class, and uh, so now they're looking for them. Anyway... The class finishes at half past nine, Mara gets me a coffee, and we're drinking our coffee, and at about quarter to ten, eh? So from half past eight, after their class finished, to quarter to ten, they're looking for the guy's keys. That's an hour and 15 minutes. Guy can't get to work. And um, so Mara and I are about to leave, and as I'm leaving the box, the Holy Spirit says to me, I want you to go, and I want you to pray for that man, and I want you to ask that I would help him to find his keys now. Sure. Tell you, I was walking past that spot. <laughs> I, I knew the Lord was talking to me, but now there's this wrestle inside of me. Are you with me? Anyway, we walk into our car. I'm still drinking my coffee. And there's this, there's this wrestle going on inside of me. I get in my car, start the car. And I look at Mara and I say, you know what? I've got to do something. So I reverse the car all the way down to the, by the entrance. And I stop the car and say, I'll be back now. So I walk into the box. And uh, I discipled the three coaches. So one of the coaches sitting with this guy on two boxes. The, the CrossFit have these wooden boxes that you jump up onto. And they're sitting there. And you can check. They're like, it's not a happy situation, you know. So I walk up to the guy and say, hey, I, you don't know me, but my name is Bruce. And um, I can see you've been looking for your keys for a while. And... Uh, this may sound weird to you, but I, honestly, I was, I was leaving the, the box, and I felt God say to me, I must turn around and come and pray for you, if you want, 
that we find your keys now. What's your name, bud? He said, I think his name was Gareth. And I said, okay, would you like me to pray for you? Always ask people to pray for them. Always ask people if you can talk to them. Always, always don't just barge into people's lives if you're going to minister to them. Ask for the permission. Are you with me? It just opens their hearts. You're already invading their space. So now when you do it, do it in a kind way that they're receptive. But, but I'm also I'm way out of my comfort zone here. Are you with me? I'm like I'm, I'm like I'm walking on water here, you know? He says, you know, my wife's coming in about an hour with the keys, but yeah, a little bit. Yeah. He says, yeah, pray. He was open. He wasn't closed at all. I said, okay, thank you, Father, for Gareth. Thank you that you love him. Lord, thank you that you've put on my heart to pray that you would help him to find his keys now. Please, Lord Jesus, show us, show him, show them where their keys are now. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I had an elders meeting at 11. And now it's like five to ten. So I said, look, I hope that you find your keys. Cheers. And I walk out. Turn around immediately and I duck. While I'm praying, I have the sense, I just get boxed. I feel like the keys are in a box. But I don't say anything. You understand the situation. You're feeling out of your comfort zone. You can feel a little bit awkward. But I've done what I was supposed to do. I turn around and I go out. And as I'm walking to the car, I'll be honest with you, I'm feeling a little bit, that didn't go well. Are you with me? What are, what are you thinking? Anyway, hey, Lord, I've done what you wanted. Wednesday's our day off, so we, we don't do exercise on a Wednesday, chill. Monday, Thursday morning, I go to the 8.30 session again, and we're busy doing the warm-up before the class. So I say to my coach, I say, hey, Paolo. Tell me what happened with that guy with Gareth's keys. Did he ever find his keys? He says, what do you mean, Brucey? You know that he found his keys. You were here. You prayed for him. And I'm like, yeah, but I wasn't here when he found the keys. He says, you don't know. Now, we're doing CrossFit. It's 8.30. There's about 10 other people in the class, eh? And we're having this conversation in front of everyone. He says, you won't believe it. You came in and you prayed for him. As soon as you stopped praying... Sanu, Sanu, the, the one coach, I'm discipling all the three of them, but the guy, this Sanu got saved three months ago. He got baptized in water six weeks ago. As you finish praying, Sanu feels, he sees a box, and he just feels, look in the box. As soon as I finish praying, he walks to the box, he picks up the box, he shakes it, there's a rattle, he turns the box upside down, and out falls the keys. But by this time, I'm, I'm already, <laughs> yeah, come on. I mean, that's a golf clap, but I'll give you a chance to celebrate now. It's like, that's incredible. The guy says to him, for real, did this just happen? How did you know to look in the box? He says, I, when, when Bruce was praying, I just felt it. So I'm like, hey, guys, anyone else lose anything? You know, I'm ready to pray for you. But it's such an incredible story of the spot and positioning yourself to be available to be used by the Lord. Are you, are you happy with that? Okay. But now, I've got a point to the story. Okay. It's going somewhere. Anyway, so that's Thursday. So I, honestly, I am so happy. 
I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You know, thank you for that, you know. In the afternoon, I'm just reflecting and I'm praying and I'm prepping for, 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 for Father's Day and for the ministry, the preaching next week. And I've, I've listened, listen to me, all of you, please, listen, online, all of us, listen to what the Lord says to me. He says to me, my boy, I love you. But I need you to grow up. He says, I love you, my boy, but I need you to grow up. I said, okay, Lord, I want to grow up. He says to me, I said, Father, what do you mean? He says, Bruce, you have to learn to be comfortable in me using you and talking to you and giving you instruction. Hearing from me, seeing what I want to do hearing what I want you to say, and then doing it, and doing it with confidence, with peace, and with security, and taking your time to get the fullness out of the situation. So I said, okay, Lord, what do you mean by that? He says, Brent Brading was with us two weeks ago. He says this, the Bible talks about signs, wonders, and miracles. You happy with that? Okay, so he says this, a miracle is a sign that points us to something about God that he wants us to wonder about. And if we will wonder about it and we will consider the miracle as a sign, God will bring a revelation, an understanding, an insight. I don't use signs and wonders to entertain the church or entertain the world. I use it to get their attention. I said, okay, Lord, Brent has taught me that. I'm happy. Then he says to me, what did Gareth lose? I said he lost a set of keys. Yes. What do keys represent? He says to me, authority. I said, well, I know keys represent authority in the Bible. Okay, Lord. Then he says to me, that Gareth is as lost in terms of his relationship with me as his keys were. And as he's, because he's lost he's, and he's not my son, he doesn't have authority. But I want him to be found, and I want to restore his authority as my son. And in that moment, that's what I, there was more that you could have shared. There's more that you could have, if you just waited a little bit longer and found the keys, and you could have given in that message, and salvation could have flowed to Gareth through this message. Wow. Anyway, Friday, I'm at the CrossFit box. Hey, guys, where's Gareth? I want to speak to Gareth. Hey, no, Bruce is in Portugal. So I don't know if he's on holiday in Portugal or he's living in Portugal, but as soon as Gareth gets back, I'm going to have a meeting with Gareth, and I'm going to share with Gareth what I felt the Lord say to me as a second step to that thing. Amen. Now, now, whilst, oh, why, now I shared that story with you, obviously just to... Forget about the second half of it, the fact that God did something, that, that he told me, pray, and pray now, and those keys were found literally within 10 seconds, is amazing. There's a little extra to it. Listen to this. I disciple this guy, Sanu, every Thursday. So it's Sanu, Paolo, and Tarong. And I sit down on the Thursday after now we found the keys, and I say to you, I've been talking to them through John 10. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice, and I know my sheep. 
They hear me as I call them by name and they follow me because my sheep hear my voice. So I said to him, I said, Sonny, do you realize that in that moment, Jesus was talking to you or Jesus showed you where the keys were? And the reason you didn't go to 10 boxes, literally, he saw a box, he felt, look in that box, and he went to that exact box, and the keys were in that exact box. And I said to him, can you see how God speaks to you? I'm telling you, he, he's stunned, and the two other coaches are stunned, because we've been doing Bible study, and been re- we've been reading about us being God's sheep, and Jesus being our shepherd, and how he wants to talk to us and show us stuff. And he, he's, this guy saved three months been baptized in water for six weeks. Sorry, three, three months saved. I think six or three weeks ago, got baptized in water. And he's experiencing God speaking to him and him being led by the good shepherd. Wow. Now guys, I don't know about you, but I want you to ask yourself this question. How's my Christianity? How's my relationship with my heavenly father. Is it you are his sheep and he is your good shepherd and he speaks to you and you hear him and you work with him and work in partnership with him and you see you have spots, you have moments, you have times where signs, wonders and miracles can break into your life and around your life and you can work with your father to see something of heaven come to earth. Because that, if you read the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, this is how God works on earth through his people. There isn't a man or woman in the Bible and there isn't anything that God did in the, as recorded in the Bible on earth that he didn't do through men and women connected in relationship to him, hearing from him, seeing something that he spoke about, Penny, and then them responding. Amen? It's like, and, and, and this is normal Christianity. This is the relationship that God wants with every single one of us, not pastors. There's a guy, Bill Johnson, and he says this. Do you realize that it's possible for every single sheep to hear God's voice and to be led by God and to be led by Jesus, their good shepherd, The fact that you are a sheep means you could hear God's voice because God God calls you to salvation. God calls you to himself. When you get born again, you have to have responded to the Holy Spirit drawing you and you have had to surrender your life and you had to say, I've heard the gospel, but you didn't just hear it here. You heard it here and you got faith in your heart. And you, yes, you could acknowledge I'm a sinner. And yes, you could acknowledge that I need salvation. And you could acknowledge that you realize that Jesus is God's gift to save you from your sins and to, for you to be adopted into God's family. So if every, anyone here that has been born again, anyone here that responded to the gospel and gave your heart to the Lord, you've already heard God speaking to you. Amen. Does this give you faith? 
I want to tell you, it's natural and it's normal and it's completely possible. It's normal Christianity for you to hear God speaking to you, for you to see things that God wants you to do. The, the Bible says this, the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. They walk in step with the Spirit of God. Psalm, Psalm says this, you will hear a voice beside you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Do not turn to the light or to the left. It's, it's, the Bible takes it for granted that the children of God understand that he's their father and they are his children and that they have this right to hear from him and to, be, to walk in step with him. Amen. Now, prayer is the means by which that happens. In my, in, in my phone, where is my phone? Is my phone there, my love? In my phone, I've, I, I, my Bible is, I've got, a, I've, got, I've, got a, I've got a Bible app, it's called Olive Tree, and it links to my phone, and it links to my, my, my everything, links to everything. And I can tag scriptures, and like, so prayer. Is, is, is a tag. And it says prayer. And you know what it says underneath prayer? Conversation with God. You know what our problem is? Our problem is that we get religious. The kids are not bothering me, eh? They're, they're welcome to stay here. She's really not bothering me, eh? You're right. Okay. Prayer is conversations with God. Now, the, that's the problem with religion. Religion is not relationship. And religion teaches you prayers that you pray. You actually get prayers that you pray and how you should pray. Because religion is a formula. Religion is something that you do, and if you get the formula or you get the thing right, then you get brownie points, and then you get to have an audience with God, and He responds to you. That is garbage. Okay? Paul, Paul the Apostle writes, and he says this, I know whom I've believed in, and I've entrusted it to Him for that day. John in 1 John, the apostle says this, we write this to you so that you may have fellowship with us. Listen to this. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. And we write this so that you may have fellowship with us and them. And we write this that your joy may be made complete. Wow. There's a fellowship with God. There's a fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a fellowship with the Holy Spirit that God wants every single child to walk in. The Apostle Paul writes this as well. He says, Oh, that I might know Christ. Everything that I count that is to my gain, I count as rubbish, except for the surpassing greatness of knowing my God. Amen? Listen to this, uh, 2 Peter, 2 Peter, chapter, um, two, chapter 1 and verses 2. Just 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 2. Please listen carefully. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. What is God's heart for you? 
Dwayne, that you would have grace. Now, what's the most popular acronym for grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. Now, how rich are God's riches? <laughs> it's pretty hard to put, a, to put a value to them, all right? And when we talk about riches, we're not talking about finances. Finances is a small part of God's riches. God's riches that flows to us, His grace that flows to us, it's spiritual, it's mental, it's emotional, it's relational. It's got implications for our time. It's got implications for our relationships. It's got inf- implications for every aspect of your life. God wants you to have a prosperous, rich, blessed life that is full of Him and that even in sorrow and suffering and in pain, you are stable, you are secure because you are accessing His grace. And peace. Now that word peace is the word shalom. Okay, and it's grace because you're going to get riches, but the Bible is so real and it's so practical and it's so honest. God never in the Bible anywhere promises a free and easy ride without problems. That's why he says grace and peace because through the storm, through the trial of life, when it, when it gets tough, God promises that you can have what? Shalom, peace. Now, who wants that? Who wants that in abundance? Come on, man. Yeah, exactly. eh? I want that. The Bible says, count it pure joy when you go through trials. Now, how do you do that? I'm going to show you how in a moment. One little side here quickly. On Monday, I was at this farm. And this farmer spoke something that is transforming me with regards to Joburg. He said there's this guy called Derek Crompton. And Derek Crompton refers to Joburg as Joyburg. Joyburg. I want to ask you, is Joburg Joyburg to you? I bet you, if we t- exactly check all the heads and all the... Now listen, I I tell you, there's such an excitement in my heart. God's will for your life is that where you live, Acts 17.32, God has determined the exact times and places where you should live. And he did this so that you would reach out to him, call him and find him, though he's not far from any one of you. God's will, that wherever you live, you live with his joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy, how? In the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, my friends, Joburg, for the believer, for the son and the daughter of the king, can be Joyburg. And I want to tell you, my friend, when I, something in my spirit on Monday leapt when he said it, and I felt God said to me, this is a word for Lighthouse. We need to refer to Joburg as Joyburg. And we need to contend that we are going to have joy in this city. And I can promise you this. That joy will come to you as you fellowship and have communion with God and you know your God. You happy with that? How does it happen? Watch out. Grace and peace be yours in, in how much? Abundance. Now watch out. Through. Through. When, you, when, you, when the word through means to get to that thing that you want, you've got to go 
through something. Am I right? So how do you get grace and peace in abundance? How do you get joy in abundance? How does Joburg for you become Joyburg? Look at the next verse. Through the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I need to get to know our God and need to get to know His Son, Jesus Christ, and need to get to know the Holy Spirit. And we need to get comfortable in their presence, them speaking to us, us speaking to them, which is a conversation, which is prayer, and then allowing that to work itself into our life. The Good Shepherd wants to lead you in your business, wants to lead you in your marriage, wants to lead you in your parenting, wants to lead you in every single aspect of your life. He wants you to access his resources. He wants you to access himself and that you would live life in constant connection and communion with your heavenly father. And as you do that, Peter says, grace and peace will be yours in abundance as you live in a full knowledge and understanding of who God your Father is and what He's like and who Jesus is and what He's like. And guess what? That knowledge comes through prayer. Through prayer. Not religious prayer. Not through formula prayer. Through talking to your Heavenly Father. Through communication with your heavenly father. Are you with me so far this morning? Now watch it, it gets one better. So, grace and peace to you through your knowledge of God. Watch this, verse 3. His divine power. This is Apostle Peter speaking, okay? This guy was up and down. He made some classic victories and had some classic failures. He was not the perfect oak. I can identify with Peter big time. Are you with me? His divine power. Whose divine power? The Father's. God the Father's, God the Son's. Has given us. Who's the us? The sheep. Everything we love for life and godliness. God's power, Jackie, is available to you. And God's divine power gives you everything you need for your life. And for you to be godly. Do you know what it means to be godly? It's to mean to be like God. Godliness is God-likeness. Do you believe that you can be like God? Do you believe that you can be like Jesus? Like Jesus was on earth, so are we. Jesus walked in step with God. Jesus said, I only hear, I only say what I hear the Father saying. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. You can be like Jesus. You can be godly. You can be, as, as God the Father shepherded Jesus and he was the Father's lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is your shepherd and you can be his sheep and you can access his divine power and that divine power can give you everything you need for life and godliness now watch here how does it happen through say through through our knowledge of him how do you access his divine power how do you access everything you need for life and godliness through your knowledge of God through your knowledge of the son how do you get to know someone Exactly. And when you, is it just spending time with them? 
It's talking to them. Them talking to you. You talking to them. It's catching their heart. How do you catch their heart? By talking. That's what prayer is. Prayer is conversations with God. Now watch it. It gets one better. Who called us by his own glory and goodness. Woo! This gives me hope. On what basis did God call me into relationship with him? On what basis does God want to have fellowship with me? On what basis is this shepherd sheep, father son relationship? What's the foundation? Is it my glory? Is it my goodness? No. Do you know why? I'm not that glorious and I'm not that good. Now watch religion. This is what religion does. Hey, you better be glorious. You better be good. You better behave. You better earn the right to be in your father's presence, to hear from your father. The gospel, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom says God did not call you by your own glory and goodness. He did not call you because you are something special. The Bible says in 1 John 4 verse 19, we love because he first loved us. It says this in 1 John 4 verse 10, when you were, this is how we know that God loved us, when we were dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses, without God and without hope in the world, what did he do? He called us to himself and he sent Jesus as an atoning sacrifice for our sins that through him we can be reconciled to God. Whoa, this is amazing. God is not turned on by your goodness and your glory and God is not turned off. What's the opposite of glory? Dullness. Dull. And goodness, your badness, your dullness and your badness does not turn God off. God says, listen, I understand that apart from me, You've got nothing. And apart from me, you are dull, you are sad, you are gloomy, and you are lost. But come to me to have life. Come to me to receive life. Come and have conversations with me. Come to get to know me. Come to have fellowship with me. Let me be your good shepherd. You be my sheep. Let me reveal myself to you through prayer, through relationship. And let's see what we can do together in partnership, in harmony with one another. Come on, Crystal. It's wonderful, isn't it? Do you know how much God loves you? Do you know how much God is for you? And do you know how much God wants to have a relationship with you? It's amazing, my friends. So, that's a great introduction. <laughs> Listen to this. Acts 2.42. This speaks of the four things. Frank's got a time here, so don't worry. I'm, not, I'm, I'm teasing you when I say introduction. Acts 2.42 says this, the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, in March, we covered apostles' teaching, and the apostles' teaching was all about Jesus. We covered to fellowship. Remember, we fellowship, let me quickly get this here. The apostles' teaching were all about Jesus. Fellowship is centered around Jesus. 
And communion reminds us of Jesus' devotion to us, to bring you to be, have fellowship with him. And prayer is the means by which you have direct access to God for yourself. Now, we need to be, what? Devoted to that. What does it mean to be devoted to something? It means to be committed to it. It means that you are going to pursue that thing as a priority in your life. Now, now if you understand everything I've just said this morning in the last 20 minutes, can you understand the importance that it, it, of you devoting yourself to the Lord and to pray? Because I would suggest to you that that is the means by which all of God's life flows to you and communion flows to you and instruction and guidance and leadership and direction for your business, for your marriage, for your family, for your children, for your ministry, for whatever, all of life and godliness, God's life flows to you through his relationship with you. And that relationship requires conversation. And conversation is pray with God. Are you with me? Now, Sander. Okay, let me read the scripture to you. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 21. Listen to this. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 21. The leader will be one of their own. Jesus is our leader. Jesus came to earth. He's one of us. Their rule will rise from among them. He will, I will bring him near and he will come close to me. Did Jesus draw close to God? Did Jesus draw on God's strength and, and did he overcome by the help of God? Yes, he did. And because Jesus drew near and because God drew him near and he came close to God, we have salvation. But then listen to what it says. For who is he who will devote himself to be close to me, declares the Lord. I'm asking you, Lighthouse, in this season, will you devote yourself to drawing close to God, because like Frank said today, God has already devoted himself to drawing near to you. The, the communion, his body broken for you and his blood shed for you. That was God saying to you, I'm giving you, Lucia, 150% of myself. I love you, I died for you, and I bought you so that you can devote yourself to being close to me. Not as a religious duty. Not to earn brownie points. Not so that you can gain favor with me. Listen, because of Jesus, you've already got favor. By my own glory and goodness, I sent my good and glorious son to call you to me so you can become glorious and good. I make you glorious and good. Isn't that amazing? Why don't you put up that picture for me, Zander, of the, the world and the arms. Check at this picture. Listen to the scripture with that picture in mind. Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is your refuge. Underneath are his everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemy from before you, saying, destroy him. Not destroy you. He says to you, destroy your enemy. Why? Because, my friend, God Underneath your life, the scripture says, God is holding your world in his arms. You need to know that. And you need to live like that. It's not all up to you. When you get a revelation of this, guess what happens? 
I didn't grow up with a dad. My mom and dad got divorced. And it's taken me years and years to, to, to live with shalom. <sighs> hey, I, my, for years I would live like this. Because, the, hey, you've got to look out after number one. Because there's no one who's got your back. No one is fighting for you. No one is holding you. No one is defending you. You learn, hey, it's up to me. And when you understand you've got a heavenly father that loves you, that cares for you, that has worked salvation for you, that called you to his own. <sighs> Shalom. Peace. My business, my marriage, my family, my church. Whatever it is, God's got it. Oh, that comes through prayer. Grace and peace. Helpful? Listen to this scripture, and I'm going to close in, in about a minute and a half, two minutes. Are his everlasting arms holding your life? Or is someone or something else trying to prop your life up? That thing will never work. It'll always fail. Jesus said this, Matthew 6, 33. I'm talking about what it means to be devoted. And to be devoted starts with this understanding. I can be devoted to God because he is devoted to me and he's holding me up. The best thing I can do is to be devoted to him. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 33. You, what must you do? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. What was all these things in that scripture? Look at the birds of the air. They don't, they, don't, they don't have to worry about clothes. They don't have to worry about food. Why? Your heavenly father knows you need them. Provision. Material needs. Material resources. Do you know what? Joyberg is not Joyberg. It's Joburg. Because we don't understand that our heavenly father is holding us. And so we are driven crazy to make money and worship mammon. And we've got to stop. And we're going to say, Lord, I'm not going to worship mammon. I'm going to worship you. And yes, I'm going to work hard. And yes, I'm going to be a good shit. And yes, I'm going to be faithful. But I'm going to say no to Pharaoh and no to him making me a slave to business. I'm going to be, seek your kingdom first. Do you understand that? I want you to look at this. Please put that immature Christian picture up under. Is God at the center of your life? Not this one, the other one, but... Nah, there's another one where, yeah, we go. Insurance policy Christianity, immature Christianity, God is a slice of your life, and you are the center of your life. Like this. Get away. Okay, sorry. Step away from the car. Okay? <laughs> and you've got a, your job, you've got your wife, you've got your, you've got, God's just got a slice. That's not seeking first the kingdom. That's not putting the king in the center of your life. That's putting you in the center of your life, and God is a welcome part of it. Next one. Where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom, this is what he means. The next one, but the mature one. God in the center. A kingdom heart, a kingdom vision, and maturity says, listen, his divine power gives me everything I need for life and godliness. When I put him in the center... He helps me in all of the areas of my life. With my investments, my sports, my hobbies, my children, my wife, my job, my church. God is there. That's what it means to be devoted to God. Amen? Let's shift us. Let's take ourselves out of the center and let's put God 
in the center. Now, why is that important? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, listen to this. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. What does that mean for you, Lucia? Listen to this again. The sun sustains all things by his powerful word. What's not included in all things, Luca? Nothing. But guess what? You have to position yourself to be sustained. Because God will only sustain you what you give to him. Like the boy tying his own shoelaces. I've bet myself. That's not a good illustration because God does want you to learn how to tie your own shoelaces. He wants you to grow up. Are you with me? But it's learning from him in those things. Is Jesus standing all things in your life? And is Jesus holding your life together? Are you trying to put up the sun and the solar system there? You know, the Bible says this, that through creation, God speaks the gospel. That you thought for years that the earth was the center of the solar system and the sun revolved around it. Am I right, Steve? And boy, were they wrong. Boy, were they wrong. Only the sun has got enough gravitational pull. And because of its immense size, it is like a gyroscope and it, it keeps, it's the foundation of our universe and it keeps all the other planets orbiting correctly because it's in the center. Sorry, so, so, not universe, solar system. Thank you, Terry. Good science. I mean, I meant to say solar system. Okay. <laughs> when you place Jesus, the Son of God... When you place the Father and the Holy Spirit in the center of your life and you devote yourself to them through prayer, through fellowship, through breaking of bread and to the apostles' teachings, my friends, guess what happens? All the orbits of your life, your job, your family, your marriage, your children, everything orbits in order and correctly because Jesus is sustaining all things by his powerful word. But when I put someone or something in the center, boom, you ever, got a, ever pushed a merry-go-round hard and then your friend goes, ping, ping, off the merry-go-round. See those idiots on YouTube, they take a motorbike and they put it by a merry-go-round and whoo, and that goes flying. Have you seen that? Go Google it on YouTube, okay? Merry-go-round motorbike, you'll check. What's the point? Joburg is not Joburg. Joyburg for so many because they've put the wrong things in the center. And in this series on prayer, we are coming back to the center. And I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this. This series can transform your life. As you align yourself and you position yourself to receive what God wants. Amen. Won't you stand with me? I'm going to send my notes because there's some things I didn't cover, but I think you got the message this morning. You know, guys, this is not a heavy thing. When we understand prayer in this context, it's the most delightful, glorious privilege that we have. Amen? So I wonder if I could lead you in a prayer. Is that okay? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your word that teaches us. 
Lord, deliver me from religion and bring me into your kingdom. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, come and be the center of my life. Teach me loving, relational prayer that inspires me to obey you and walk in step with you and trust in you. Father, please deliver me from any idol that is in the center of my life that is above you. Forgive me and teach me how to be your son, how to be your daughter. And I want to know you so that your divine power, your grace, and your peace can flow to me in abundance through my knowledge of you. Help me. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week, Sunday, we're going to be talking about personal prayer. The following week, we're going to talk about family prayer. The next week, we'll talk about corporate prayer. And the week after that, we'll talk about intercessory prayer. I'm going to be speaking at the church house next week. I want to leave you this one thought. Short prayers are long enough. Part of my problem in my life has been I always had a quiet time. So in the morning, I'd wake up early, read my Bible, pray, and worship. But then the rest of my day, I would go living my day like I'm now not praying anymore. And what I've learned in this last season is short prayers are long enough. God doesn't need me to spend hours and hours in prayer to hear me. Literally, at work. Because I work. You understand that I've got a full-time pastor, but also got work to do. And in my marriage, God help me with Mara right now. Just, I just have to think that prayer. I, don't need, I can just pray that prayer in my mind. God can answer it. In work, learn to have 24-7 conversation with God and learn to call on God in your time of need. And you most probably need a lot of the time. Do you understand? So the quiet time connects you with God, but then... The short prayer keeps you connected throughout the day. Short prayers are long enough. Over to you, Buddha.